Live inside Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. Zach Wilson drops back to throw, looks over the middle, dodging tackles, runs to his right, dives for the end zone, lost the football, but he broke the plane, that's a chip touchdown! Garoppolo under center, he falls down as he runs the toss to Coleman trying to get wide, Tevin is in for a 49er touchdown. <laughs> Cooper Cup, one-handed catch, off to the race is 30, midfield, there goes Cup, needs a block, gets it, 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Cooper Cup, touchdown, LA! It's time for Cofield and Company, with Steve Cofield, on ESPN Las Vegas. A big weekend of NFL in the books. We'll break it all down here. Twin Peaks, Monday Night Football. Willie Ramirez is here. Mateo's helping out with the setup. Raiders game on the way. We're going to be on until 5 o'clock and then hand it off to the uh, kickoff of the game. You can hear the game over on 9.20 a.m. and 92.3. Comp. That's where all the game coverage is. And if you want, uh, 15 minutes from now, flip away from us. Bye-bye. And uh, go check that. It's an hour and 15, 3.15, 3.15, official pregame with JTTB and Eric Allen, official pregame for the Raiders again, 92.3 on the FM side and 9.20 a.m. But we'd like you to stick around, but I understand if you want to go hardcore Raiders. Uh, Q Myers is on right now at 9.20 a.m. over at Hooters, so he's got a lot of Raiders content as well. Feeling feisty today. By the way, on the way in, Bob Wachusen, Jets Radio, 49ers Radio, with Greg Papa, and also Rams Radio. Feisty today, feisty today. Today's one of those days, you look agitated too, so I want to know what's going on with you, although I think you had a good weekend. Today's one of those days where you're driving around or you're at home, you're trying to get stuff done, and everything seems to be taking longer. I don't know what it was this morning, but I was like very manic, and I didn't get up late, but I was like very manic trying to get stuff done, and I think most people are listening like, you're a radio host, what do you have to get done? There's stuff. Um, and then the important thing is, after I covered UNLV today, Willie, I come over to Henderson, and I don't know why it just hit me now because I'm over here often. This area is nuts now. I, you ready for this lunch idea? And really, it's a, I just want to stop off and get some Wi-Fi and finish up doing work. Today, I swear to you, and people are going to laugh who live in Henderson because they're going to be like, dude, what are you doing? Today, my brilliant idea was, you know what I'm going to do? Because I think I've eaten there once in my entire life. I'm going to walk into Costco. I got a hot dog, right? I, I drive over, and I've been around the parking lot of the Costco, and it's right down from the Raiders facility, so I'm sure you've been around that Costco. Are there, like, 4 million people who live in Henderson now? Yeah. This, this area, like a, it is so crowded. I remember St. Rose, and now I'm going to be like, back in my day. I remember St. Rose, when they built it out, basically all the way from the 215 out to the 15, right? It's like nine lanes on each side. And I remember looking at it, I'm like, well, this will be interesting to see how it gets built up. Right? It might be the first road we've ever built here outside of, like, the maybe west and north 215, which still isn't really done. But you, you drive it, and you'd be like, wow, okay, there's, there's a lot of room here. St. Rose has filled up. It is insane getting around. I pulled into the big box store, and I was like, it's a Monday at 1230. I'm like, what is everyone doing shopping? It was 
it was crazy. But every like every step I tried to make was just a giant pain in the ass. All right, my story. Willie's next. Let's do it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. Before anything, you sent over a picture. I looked at it briefly over the weekend. I thought it was a meal that you had made. You went to some swanky restaurant, and I was supposed to react. Well, I just figured you would send like, "Oh, where, where's that from?" Did it, I, did it say anything? No, I you just, just sent a blind, you're, and you're just waiting for the. Whoa, what is that? I never gave that to you. I'm sorry, my friend. It was in the swanky restaurant. It was I feel a nice bad. Restaurant. Okay. Wait. Is it swanky? What does swanky mean? Nice. Oh yeah. <laughs> was there a chance the swanky was like dumpy? I don't even know. I don't even know what that was supposed to mean. Stuffy. Swanky. Swanky favorite. Or uh, it's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorites. It's 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 you know where I live in Aliante. I live right there, like two minutes from the uh, from the hotel. So their steakhouse. Oh, nice. I never been there. So I had the surf and turf, nice seven ounce fillet with the. Uh, Seven ounce fillet with the twelve ounce lobtail. The lobtail, there it is. Yeah. You know what? It's funny. I looked at it. I knew it was a lobtail, and I was like, "Wow, Willie made lobster." No. And I was like, "Wow, I just made homemade ramen with some corn in it." Yeah. We're living different lives. Right, Mateo? Had the nice broccoli. <laughs> Look at that! The broccolini. The broccolini. Ah, and the sweet potato that they oh. brought out was bigger than anything, any of the one items there. And so I, I took a little bit of it, and then I went, and then I brought it home. Look at that steak. I brought it home right on. to today for after my, my lift in cardio, and just before I did a national spot uh, to talk about Kansas City Vegas game, I I sliced these medallions, these sweet potato medallions, at least an inch thick. With some protein rice I had made, six eggs, nice breakfast, a gluten-free bread. So, yeah. But uh, dinner was outstanding. The best part about the dinner was they <laughs> they kind of know who we are. But anyway, oh, they, look at you. they went over to the other restaurant inside there. The Bistro, It's called Bistro. And they got the bottle of wine that I want. They don't have it at, at this one, at that restaurant. So they went and got it for me. I'm sure they don't mind since it's a buck twenty, But, you know. Look at you. Patting yourself on the back for a big Sunday. I like it. It was solid. It was something I deserved, something yeah. I earned, you know. Um, we had the, – the people I went with, some nice people, we had sort of built up um, – they were gone for the weekend or for the summer at their summer home, and they had left me with their player cards. So I would go over there to make sure that they sent me the screenshot. These are the days that there's free play. So you go, you hit the pin, they load the free play onto into the machine. So I would play. I would just play their their you know their their credit, and then every time I hit something, I'd pull the ticket and I would just leave. Like I'm disciplined. I don't sit there and play it out. I just so hit the four kind, take it, go hit, go hit, go. So by the time they got back, I had four hundred dollars in tickets, and then because I went there regimented, they rate her her uh, her status went up. So they got VIP status, and now she has a slot host. Well, the slot host immediately gave her one hundred fifty dollar credit. Uh, uh, comp. So we had five hundred fifty dollars to spend. Nice. Bill came us five thirteen. You're all, good for it. Yeah, I was going to say you're good for it. Well, I've seen it, you. I've seen you fill up a comp. In, ca- in case we went over, there's no big deal. We were going to send it to Lotus. You got some water. You got some extra water. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. So on the way in, you heard victories, Jets, victory, Niners, lost Rams, lost Rams. Now see, awful, gotta- awful effort by the Rams to call their courtesy of. J.B. Long you did that of on Rams Radio. 
There were a lot of sloppy efforts yesterday, a lot of sloppy efforts, and one of them got a guy fired. The first coach, am I right on this? First coach fired? I forget week to week yes. what's going on. First coach fired, Matt Rule, 37-15 loss at home against the Niners. Their quarterback situation still sucks, and it's a really unique firing because he had a massive long-term deal. And we can also kind of position it against the fact that it took the Giants two hires before Matt Rule got fired. You remember Matt Rule, the Giants were hot and heavy for him, and Rule made a demand. So were the Jets. Uh, Rule made a demand with the Jets to get his own coaching staff in there. The Jets put their foot down. He, t- he told the Jets to screw off. Giants got outspent, and now as it turns out, it looks like the Giants have their coach in Brian Dable, and Matt Rule is sent packing. How do you feel about that one? Do you think he ever got a fair chance, Matt Rule? Yeah. Yeah? I, I, I mean, no McCaffrey hurt half the time and no quarterback. Coach him up. He went 11-27, and 27, a little more than two seasons. Yeah. Lost 11 of his last 12 games. But I'll give you the best angle on this, I think. And we're going to have a guy on from uh, the Carolina area to break it down later on. Yeah. Because he's good on college football, too. Heath Klein. Think about this. I don't know what the terms of the contract are, but he's owed $40 million. Yeah, that's... Would you just sit out four years and then take a college job, or would you forgo some of the $40 million to take a college job? Because for people who don't follow college football, Matt Rule will have an offer of 4 or $5 million minimum from at least 10 different schools. Wait, did you say sit out four years? Oh, is that, that's the length of it? I think he was getting eight a year, so... I think he had five more years left on the deal. Initially, it was like a seven- or eight-year deal, upwards of $100 million. That's not right. Upwards of like $70 million. Could they negotiate and say, you you know, you you'd have, obviously he doesn't take a job, so he gets that over X amount of time, or if they negotiate, and then would you take a buyout and say, okay, well, here's what we'll pay you? What would you do? I would. I have an answer to that. We'll have, we're going to ask Heath in a little bit. I would take the buyout. I would say, I would say just get, okay, let's negotiate and just get it done. He's pretty young. I might sit out at least three years and do TV. And get paid. Yep. Both angles. We talked to Tom Herman two weeks ago. He's on the game again this week. The Air Force game for UNLV was on the UNLV game two weeks ago. He got fired by Texas. His buyout was like $15.5 million. Why would you go back into the frying pan, take a couple years off, get your hair back? Well, yeah, no, no, no. Okay, time out. Time out. I said negotiate. I didn't say you you didn't put a number on it. From 40 to 15, that ain't happening. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, come on. I mean, if it wiped out most of it, I'm like, no, yeah, no, 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 I'm not, no, I'm not, no, hell no. If uh, it wipes out coaching. most of it, there's no shot. No, no. He's set for life. It's generational money. Yeah. Screw that. You want to fire me when I have no quarterback? Yeah, I'll, I'll sit on the side. I'll, you'll see me on TV every weekend, brother. Tepper. Yeah, didn't and, give and, me a real fighting chance. And as I'll be it, up there breaking down college football. And as it is, uh, defensive backs coach Steve Wilch, who's going to take over as the interim, he's got no quarterback either because. Yeah. Uh, Who, by the way, also didn't get a real chance. And now his second because he, he was with the Cardinals for one season before Kingsbury came in. So we'll see what he can do with a, a ragtag bunch. So tonight's game, the setup is here. The Chiefs have just consistently pounded the Raiders over the years, except for that game a couple of years ago when the Raiders went in and pulled the upset at Arrowhead. How do you feel about this one, especially with some of the storyline before the season being that the Chiefs might take a step back? Now how do we feel after the Chiefs are off to a good start? You had that weird game against the Colts, and the Raiders are 1-3. So what's the mood going into this one? 
I don't know what their mood is. I know what my mood is. My mood is that I'm ready for an exciting game. I, I honestly think that we are going to – I don't think that it's as easy as people think. Everybody's, everybody's got their, their, their feet in cement on this one that the Chiefs are going to just annihilate them. It's going to be a blowout because the Raiders are 1-3. They're not as good as you – know, we, and we've dogged them, but who have I dogged most, Steve? Every single Monday we're out here, we talk about the Raiders. Who have I dogged most? Have I dogged any of the players realistically? You've been on McDaniel since the middle of the preseason. Okay. So he finally is satisfied with his offensive line. We saw his best play calling in the last game. I think this is a guy who's finally got it. He's finally figured it out. It took four games, well, three games, and then the fourth one we saw come to fruition. And I think that, you know, you look back at the Chargers, Cardinals, Titans. Is it fair to say this is a team that really, realistically, could be four and zero? It could be. I mean, I have said that they deserve to lose two of those, but in the bottom line is they could be four and zero, right? If one series goes a certain way and play calling is different against the Chargers, they don't blow it against the Cardinals. The Titans, they were. I mean, they come on strong at the end. So. The fact of the matter is, we finally saw that team. And as bad of a Broncos team it is, it is a good defense. It's the one bright spot of the team. Russell Wilson hasn't been a bright spot. The offense has been horrible. Nathaniel Hackett's play calling has been terrible. But the defense has been the one thing. They put through a 32 spot on that team. They finally got it together. If he can play, if he can call the right plays the entire game and the running game comes together, he's set on his offensive line. Hunter Renfro's back. It's going to be a shootout in my eyes. I don't know if it's going to be a victory, but I also don't think that the Chiefs are blowing this team out tonight. Let's talk about the run game on the way back and also the offensive line. I think the Raiders' uh, hopes have kind of switched to grinding it out a bit here, especially against a high-powered offense like the Chiefs. Get over to Twin Peaks in Henderson for Monday Night Football. Awesome food and drink specials. Plus, Cofield and Company's Willie Ramirez will have plenty of great prizes you can win. It's Monday Night Football at Twin Peaks in Henderson. First down and goal. Ingle in front of Jacobs. Jacob. Jackpot, baby! Over the top! Vegas salted it away at Arrowhead. This would be the first time ever that Derek Carr has come away with a win at Arrowhead Stadium in his career. What a performance by the Raiders. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. Jackpot, baby! Yep, old highlight, old highlight. One of the good highlights. This Raiders-Chiefs thing has been a mess for the Raiders, but they got it done that day. They uh, took the bus around for a couple of laps. The Chiefs have never forgotten it. So part of the rivalry, even though the Raiders have been on the wrong side of 13 of 15 in this thing, but, you know, dangerous spot for the Chiefs. Raiders are a wounded animal trying to save their season. They certainly can pull off the upset. They're getting seven in Kansas City. We're watching the game here tonight. Willie will be around for the uh, first half and into the third quarter. Monday Night Football here is Twin Peaks. I might stay the whole game. On Eastern. Now, depending on how the game goes, right? Why not? Why not? Depending who's who's hanging out. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll tell you this. The uh, scenic views tonight are good. Uh, All the ladies have their Raiders gear on. Yeah, make sure. If you come early, you want to come now, you know, get a seat, whatever. Make sure you ask for Abby and Jen, server up front. You get a good seat. Those are your personal choices? 
Well, they're just, I mean. They're you have tried out everyone in terms of uh, the service. I'm glad. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. You have your favorite servers? Well, they're the ones that. I, I said last week. Last week, it was like we had like five servers. It was friggin' awesome. Yeah. Like over here, like every three minutes. Yeah. Like, thank you so much. Lauren, Lauren is really, really good. Um, Faith was, was my girl. She hasn't been around for a while. She was always on the daytime. Maddie behind the bar. Uh, but Lauren was fantastic last week. Sophia's been really good. But right now, for the mat, uh, for the uh, afternoon, I don't know how long they're going to be here, but I know that uh, we have Hadley who, who who comes in at night. She's always been there at the at the front. So they, you know, and when you come here, you know, and you you want a table, it's packed, whatever. Take care of them, you know. You know, throw them a little tip. They'll get you a seat. Raiders have to run the ball tonight. They got to they got to keep leaning on Josh Jacobs. I like to see some of the other guys mixed in, but. I think this, they have to be. This Chiefs the, uh, team is different with the fact that their D is better, but it's it may look different offensively. They're still explosive. They're still dangerous. The guy at the helm is still the same guy in Patrick Mahomes. The Raiders have to continue to run the ball. They have to be dedicated to the run, even if they fall behind by a little bit. Yeah, the one thing that, you know, it, obviously there's more field goals than touchdowns, but one thing I will say, they're the only two teams in the NFL who's – Offensive drives end in a score at least 50% of the time. They're actually tied for first in the NFL. Each 50% of their offensive drives have ended in a score. Now, the Raiders have had their issues in punching it into the end zone. They have more field goals. But, again, they sort of found their footing last week. And a big part of that is staying consistent with the running game, as you mentioned. Josh Jacobs, I think it was his third most career Rushing attempts, he had a career high, buck 44, um, and he's playing with confidence. I, that was one of the stories that I had written this past, uh, last week. In talking to Amir Abdullah, Brandon Bolden, you know, all of them, and they know, obviously, that, you know, getting, spreading the wealth, you want to you keep the, keep Josh Jacobs from getting banged up, but he's playing at such a level. And let's not forget, you know, Everybody, including myself, and I told Josh this. I was like, hey, even I was saying, you know, after the Hall of Fame game, wow, first two series? Is this guy on the – is he on the way out? I told him. He said, yeah. He goes, when I when I heard my name being called and when I was told I was going to be starting and playing the first series, I thought we said, well, I'm just going to give them everything I got. But what he continued to tell us leading up to that was how much he worked on his body shutting everything down and focusing on his workouts, his, his nutrition, building lean muscle mass, and really focusing. And it's it really we've seen it throughout sporadically the first few games, right? Because we were like, hey, why'd you take the ball in Josh Jacobs' hand? He was doing great. Finally, McDaniels used him the way he should be using him, and it really helps things out. And it's I think it's going to be huge tonight in that this – not only do you have everybody healthy, meaning Hunter, Hunter Renfro's back, we've yet to see a great game from Darren Waller. And I think maybe being in Kansas City, Travis Kelsey, right, when you talk about the, the, the model of consistency for tight ends, right, it, it could inspire Waller a little bit. But when you combine the health of this offense with, again, the offensive line finally him settling in on who his guys are, it, it really could be the overall best balanced, well-executed offense performance we've seen. and it, But it does start with, and, and Josh Jacobs said, he said, the running game is the heartbeat of this offense. You notice what I said about halfway through my delivery, sending it to you. 
They have to stick with the run game. Yep. Which is key against the Chiefs. Yeah. You may get down early. And we could be, you know, we could be talking 14, 17 points. As long as it's not the fourth quarter, you have to stick with what's been working. So you don't want to see Josh McDaniels get all impatient and start throwing the ball over the place and playing the Chiefs game. Can't happen. And the Chiefs are much better on defense now than they've ever been. We're going to talk to Seren Petro, covers the Chiefs for WHB in just a little bit. Uh, we know last week, and he'll, you know, we'll get him to touch on the defense and where it ranks you know, in recent times with Mahomes. We talked to uh, Danon Hughes last week. He played for the Chiefs, the color voice of the Chiefs. Yeah. And he said their D is so much better because they've got much more speed than they've ever had side to side. Well, and they've got they've really improved up front too. They currently rank second in the NFL in rushing yards per attempt. They only allow 3.3, but they are number 1. Now think about this. Yep. There are only two teams that have played four games. The rest of the league has played five. Yep. They still rank number 1 263 yards allowed. Now, here's the weird thing. They're the only team in which the opposition has not rushed at least 100 times. 79 attempts. They've only seen 79 attempts. So what is that, about 25 rushes a game? A little more than that, right? No, even less. A little less than 20, or a little, right around 20, because it would be 80 divided by 4. So they've only seen about 20 rushes. Maybe what they need is a heavy dose. Maybe they need to see more in order you know, for a team to be productive. Uh, the Raiders are right there in terms of uh, they've they've seen 106 rushing attempts. So um, I agree with you that they just got to balance it out and they got to give them a heavy dose. Josh Jacobs just got to get his motor running. Wednesdays, it's the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show at 6 p.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Renfro off to the right, Edwards and Zay Jones to the left. Jacobs alongside, takes a snap, play action, fires to the right, got a wide open run throw, jackpot baby, finally! Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. A lot of history between the Chiefs and the Raiders, some of the recent history there from Brent Musburger tonight. You can hear the game on 92.3 Comp. Or 9.20 a.m. That's our Raider Nation radio. As Horowitz is in as the play-by-play voice, along with Lincoln Kennedy. Official pregame for the Raiders with uh, JTTB and Eric Allen. 3.15, 3.15, 3.15. We'll be leading up to the game here at Twin Peaks. Wheeler Ramirez will be hosting the party tonight. He's got a ton of cool prizes, including tickets to go see the Scorpions and Whitesnake. They're going to be in town in just a couple of weeks. So we started to get into the fact that the defense is much better for the Chiefs, Willie. And, you know, the big difference between these teams, because it's, listen, Mahomes to Carr, there's a drop off the car. But I'm going to say something here that people are going to drive off the road. I don't think it's gigantic, right? Carr is a top 12 quarterback. Mahomes is otherworldly, but still. But really, the big difference with these teams has been in 
building the O-line and building the defense. Mm. And while the Raiders, if you want to go down the laundry list of draft picks, like, listen, Max Crosby and Hunter Renfro are home runs. Very beginning of Gruden's era, Colton Miller, good pick. But you look at how many whiffs the Raiders have had. You know, the the year they had three third-round picks with Brian Edwards, Tanner Muse. Why am I blanking on the Kentucky quarterback's name who went to went to Miami? But you had three three guys picked there. And you remember Mike Mayock saying, hey, we got to get some starters out of this. This is like a gift. But you look at the first-round picks, a lot of them haven't developed. Meanwhile, on the Chiefs' side, you're like, seventh-round pick, fifth-round pick, second-round pick, all over their defense. And their D has now turned into a really good one. They got punched in the freaking face a couple of years ago in the Super Bowl, and their O-line was terrible because it was all beat up. What'd they do? They turned over a bunch of the offensive linemen, and now their O-line is back. And that has nothing to do with Mahomes. That is player personnel judgment, and Brett Veach with the Chiefs is great, and obviously there's now been you know, two different personnel departments and GMs. The Raiders are still, I know, you know, they they overcame it last year by going 10-7 and seven to make the playoffs, but it doesn't mean they were going to be able to overcome all those blown first-round picks forever. And the Chiefs have just nailed so many picks that the Chiefs, because you knew, you knew once Mahomes was starting to get to that 30, 40, 50 million dollar range, whatever, 40 million dollar range, that you have to have cheap players. They seem to have cheap players who are ready to step up all the time. And right now the Raiders are like, all right, who, how are we going to build this offensive line? Who do we have on the back end? What's going on at linebacker? Well, you have to ask, I think at some point you got to ask you that. Like, how long are we going to ride the, you know, that draft? How long are we going to sit here and talk about that draft? I mean. Until they fill in the holes. But, right, but that's. Because, because with the missed pick could have been, you know, another developmental offensive line. Like John Simpson, that was another one. That was a relatively high pick. It just has not worked out. So when you when you miss on first, but second, they didn't and third, miss. I understand. I'm just saying in this right now, right. That makes the difference between the teams because everyone will look and go, "Well, it's Mahomes and Carr." Like that's that's not the big problem if these teams really are seven points apart. The problem is those guys I mentioned in the third round, second round picks, blown first round picks. You, you know, just pissing away an Al Leatherwood pick that kills you now when the Chiefs don't miss on picks. Right, but I don't think it's fair to do that at this point when we're talking, which you did mention, but it's an entirely different regime. These guys didn't miss. They, so you're asking them to make up for what Gruden and Mayock did when they're trying to build what they want to do. So in their mind, building what they did started with bringing in Devontae Adams and using the money there and then extending other guys, not doing what you said but they're so maybe they're in their mind is let's coach these guys up see what we can do has it worked we don't know because it's been which i've been riding for months the rotation want the skinny on unlv football listen to the weekly unlv all access podcast with cofield and caleb herring a new episode drops each thursday morning at unlv all access on twitter Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. It's Cofield and Company. 
Back here getting ready for Monday Night Football. Soren Petro is with us from WHB in Kansas City. Soren, before we get into all the nuts and bolts of the Raiders and the Chiefs, talk about a game day on Monday night. How crazy is it? How into uh, Monday Night Football is the entire town? There are people that, you know, these are days off from work, right? Like they were never, and, and maybe even a Tuesday as well. Monday, to get out to Arrowhead by like, there'll be people that have been there since like 9 a.m., you know, 10 a.m. out in line waiting for the gates to open up and the party starts while they're waiting in line. Uh, for the gates to open up and then of course they'll wait out the traffic with some more uh, either firing up the grill or maybe some liquid courage after the game uh, and then they'll take tomorrow off so uh, for some people this is this is <laughs> life man this is it it's everything rides on on uh, being ready for Monday night football and and it's big I mean we, we did talk about it this past week with Tim Grunhard who was you know playing in the Marty Schottenheimer days and when Marty used to, you know, talk about it's Raider week, he'd say it on Monday and he'd say it after the game the week before that it's now Raider week. And that's what we focus on. And that was a little bit different time. The Raiders were just four or five years removed from having won two championships. They were the division standard at that time. Uh, the Broncos were, were pretty good with John Elway as well. But the Raiders were a special thing for Marty Schottenheimer and he made it a special thing for the city. It doesn't carry quite that same luster. But, you know, every game for, for Chiefs fans is big, and this is a team that they feel like can win a championship every year, and so they expect this team to, to be fighting for that number one seed and get the bye week. For the fans, who's the biggest rival in the division now? You know, that's it's tough. I guess maybe the Chargers because, you know, Chiefs fans, of course, get upset anytime any other quarterback is mentioned as being good. Um, you know, why, how dare you discuss somebody not named Patrick Mahomes at the quarterback position. Uh, they, they tend to forget that if others aren't good, how can your guy be great? But so I, I think probably the Chargers right now, the the joke is uh, the Chargers have won the offseason, the AFC West offseason for the 14th consecutive year. You know, they're always the team that's on the come. Um, so probably the Chargers. But, you know, I, I hate to say it. And, and listen, I don't play. This is not me. So don't get upset because I'm saying it. Uh, Chiefs fans feel like there really isn't competition in the division, right? And and at the record states that the, the biggest rival right now is probably the Buffalo Bills, and I think that's the best advantage that the Raiders have is that's the game that's looming on the other side. And the Chiefs did just crap in their pants two weeks ago against the Colts when they came off the Chargers and looked ahead to the Bucks. Now they come off the Bucks and look ahead to a short week against the Buffalo Bills. If I'm a Raiders fan, that's what I hang my hat on the most is that the Chiefs will come flat in this game because the Bills are really their rival. When we were talking about the Chargers earlier in the show, uh, it's really interesting with Staley. I don't know if you saw yesterday, but uh, he tried to seal the game from his own 42 on a fourth and two. Didn't get it, and somehow his defense came up big, and even bigger was the fact that the uh, Browns kicker choked. Uh, Harbaugh did it you know, the, uh, the week before, but he was also on the opposing two-yard line trying to close out the game. So Staley's kind of an interesting guy, and I know, you know Andy Reid believes in numbers too, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Andy Reid – if he's got a lead with 110 left uh, from his own 42 on a fourth and two, he's going to punt it away. But maybe that's the difference, and that's why the Chiefs are the best team because the Chiefs' defense is better, is more healthy than the Chargers. And I, I, I actually think that's what separates the Chiefs from the rest of the division is the defense. Steve, I, I don't know if you know this on the analytics side. They're to be listened to only when it fits your agenda. Just see Ryan Clark. Uh, on ESPN, uh, of course, former Steeler, fine player, who lost his mind when John Harbaugh went for it uh, from the goal line, as you mentioned, with, with with Lamar Jackson. But then somehow back Nathaniel Hackett's decision with Russell Wilson uh, to go for it uh, on the Thursday night game. I, I, it is it is amazing. And Andy Reid pays attention to the analytics. He does, it is not his 
his his strict compass by any stretch of the imagination. He he, you know, the analytics would have said he should have gone for it against the Chargers in their game a couple of weeks ago, several weeks ago, and instead he took the field goal to tie it. And the Chiefs ended up winning, and, you know, he afterwards said, well, I felt like we needed points and all this. And never mind that the Chargers marched 95 yards down the field, and if they didn't try a hurry-up offense with a tight end that was about to fall down and throw a 95-yard pick six, uh, Andy Reid would have been considered a moron. I mean, the bottom line is you're in the get-it-right business, <laughs> and analytics are a tool. But the one thing, you know, use them correctly or you'll be considered a tool. Um, the one thing I will say is, like, I like the math and I like the numbers – and I go round and round. You know Eric Eager; he's our buddy, and he's I, you know, he's the Bill James of, of, of football analytics. Um, and we, you know, he's always like follow the math, follow the math. They said the math is great till you look down at your play sheet and you don't have a play you like, right? The math is great, you know, until you're a defensive head coach and your offensive coordinator is Michael Lombardi. Is Michael what is it? Lombardi the Chargers, whoever the Lombardi, whichever Lombardi grandson, Joe uh, is. Yeah, Joe Lombardi is the uh, Chargers play caller. And you go, oh, wait a minute, Joe Lombardi calls my plays. Like, maybe I need to be a little bit more conservative. So you, you got to have something on the sheet that works because the, the get-out-of-jail-free card for the analytics community is, no, no, it's the right decision. It was the wrong play call. Well, yeah, but people get fired for that. That's 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 got to be baked into the numbers as well. So, yeah, I, look, Andy Reid sitting there is is – going to be what historically would be aggressive but on modern days is is probably considered somewhat conservative based on the pure math guys he'll go for it but not as much as the math guys will say it but you know you get a fourth and one out there and a kind of no man's land punt field goal situation he, he's likely to go ahead and line it up i will tell you his plagues tend to be quite conservative expect the fullback dive um, that's that's the extent. I don't I don't understand how he's got this huge play card, and it all works great. And they convert third down. It's you know sixty percent. They convert third and eight on a regular basis, and then suddenly when it's one yard to go, we scrap all those plays, and now we're going to play Cro-Magnon football and just try to wedge it for for a yard. <laughs> and and we're and you're never going to see the quarterback sneak. If the tight end comes in motion, he might stop, get under center. And sneak it. They did that. Uh, they've done it with Blake Bell in the past. They they, they, they did it uh, this past week as well against the Bucks. Um, so be careful if the tight end goes in motion. He may be taking this the snap, but they're not putting Patrick Mahomes in a quarterback sneak, which is amazing because it's the most effective play. The voice of Saran Petro covers the uh, chief scene at WHB. He's the afternoon host as we got the game coming up here at Twin Peaks. Monday Night Football, Raiders. And the Chiefs? I don't know if you know this, Steve. Yes. Uh, I, I, Ice-cold, man-sized, 29-degree draft beers. Always a happy hour staple here at the Twin Peaks in Kansas City. Lovely. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You went professional. I went smutty. Uh, let's, talk about the, <laughs> let's talk about the offense. Uh, you just mentioned maybe some limitations in terms of thinking on uh, fourth and short. Let's talk about how the offense is working. Uh, we talked to Dana News on Friday. He's a color voice for the Chiefs and also a former Chief. And he was suggesting that the offense is more – well-balanced now without Tyreek Hill because the ball is spread around more. Is that what you're seeing so far this year? Oh, um, you know, listen, he's when you're on the Chiefs payroll, you're always going to put a positive spin. And I like Danon. That's not a shot at Danon. You know, I, I quote Ryan LaFever, who's the, the voice of the Royals and really the face of the Royals on TV, and he said, I'm not a journalist. I'm, a, I'm an arm of the Royals PR department. Uh, but he's amazingly frank and honest and talking about the Royals. And, and I would say that's true of any broadcaster, right? They're, they're part of the, the PR department. And 
Yes, that's the goal, and it's coming along. It's a work in progress. They are getting better at it. There's no doubt that they miss Tyreek Hill. Um, you know, they've had an opportunity. If they could get McCole Hartman healthy, and he has not been healthy this year, I think that's one of the underreported things about the Chiefs offense is that, you know, he's supposed to be the deep threat. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling has gotten deep a couple of times, and Patrick Mahomes either missed him either altogether and gone with the gone somewhere else with the ball or overthrown him, so they haven't quite synced up they, they've got the ability to big the, to be the big strike offense but they they do and will always miss Tyreek Hill as will anybody else who doesn't have them uh, on on their roster but they've done a nice job of morphing into what they have to become and that is a team that's less predictable does spread the football around Travis Kelsey's still the primary target um and and it's getting better and one of the things that I'd be worried about if I were the Raiders is that they're getting better running the ball right the, the shell defense the cover two that's become the vogue thing against the chiefs not just against the chiefs but also against every defense out there the chiefs were challenged by the tampa bay bucks last week shaq barrett leading up the game said i don't see any difference in this offensive line and the one we dominated in the super bowl and the chiefs took it to heart and they ran the football for over 150 yards right down there with their running backs i think it ended up being 180 190 something when you throw in the scrambles from patrick mahomes but uh, they just pounded the rock at him and if you're going to play light in the box and and say, okay, we're not going to get beat over the top. You know, if the Chiefs will, if Patrick Mahomes will be patient, if Andy Reid will call downhill runs like he did in that game, as opposed to the RPOs, which has really been the bulk of their, their rushing attack the last couple of years. And teams have gotten very good. Linebackers stay home. They don't bite on the RPO. This isn't Baylor 10 years ago unleashing something new on college football, right? Teams now know how to defend it and how to react to it. And I think he he unleashed a big physical offensive line last week, and it was really effective. The team really enjoyed it. Uh, Andy Reid came down and shook the hand of every offensive lineman in in the locker room, made a public display of it in front of the media, something he doesn't usually do. And it had leaked out that he had challenged them after an awful performance uh, against the Colts, and, and, and they responded. And I think they liked it, and I think they'll want to do more of it. And if they can play that style of football when it's – when it's given to them, when they're going to go light in the box, then now they're a, a very difficult offense to to defend. They're, they're they're getting back towards the top of the NFL offensively, just doing it a different way. And I think that's it's spreading the football around. Yes, I think Danon's right. Uh, they do spread it around. Patrick Mahomes has proven to be a smart quarterback and take the mismatches that are there, but also spreading you know the offense in terms of, of how you attack and attacking more with the run now. Who is the new secret weapon in the running back room, and how do they keep nailing? Late picks. Because they go to Rutgers, Steve. I mean, if, if you really want to find a diamond in the rough, you take a running back that averaged 3.4 yards per carry at Rutgers and you plug him in and he runs hard. Um, I will tell you, you know, much like yourself, Steve, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, I was at the podium this week and I sat there and he's perfected the art of like the kind of flex pose without looking like he's posing. <laughs> Came in like you. If people don't know, I know Steve's on the radio, so you don't see him. Owns very few sleeves, really likes the gun show to be on display. Pacheco came in, and he's got that kind of that kind of flair where he's giving you the full depth and width of the bicep uh, while looking like he's just got his hands on his hips. I thought that was impressive. I, I realized, okay, that's a Rutgers thing. I've seen that move from Cofield. Um, but a, a tough physical kid, and it is amazing. He did just average 3.4 yards per carry while running a 4.35 uh, 40. And we're going to find out if he can teach a guy to see the field because in training camp and in preseason, you're like, okay, I see why he went for 3.4. He's not going anywhere near the hole. He's just barreling into – I called it, I go, this is third-grade football where the coach says, you know, 
42 dive. The four back takes the ball, goes to the two hole. And it doesn't matter what happens that the one, three, five, seven, and nine are wide open. We're barreling head first as fast as we can towards the two hole. And there will be no bounce. They get the anti Le'Veon Bell. And they have worked with him. They've talked about it. And they've kind of developed him a little bit. He's still very much a north-south runner. And if he ever pops one, he's going the distance. But he has given them some depth behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who, of course, they used a first-round pick on uh, three years ago. And the two of them have been a really good one-two punch. And Ronald Jones, who they signed from the Bucks, hasn't even been active uh, this year. A lot of people thought he might get cut. He didn't. He, he performed very well in the last preseason game. That may have saved his spot on the roster, but they haven't needed to have him active. And uh, Jarek McKinnon's the other back, and he's kind of morphed back into just being the third down back. So Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Isaiah Pacheco are, are kind of a one-two punch um, that, that, that has been effective, certainly was very effective against the Bucks last week. Is uh, this the best defense they've had with Patrick Mahomes around? Yes, without a doubt. And I think statistically speaking, it's it, it's a little bit deceiving. It's better than the numbers look. Uh, I think they are 10th uh, in yards, but like 20-something in points. But there's a lot of oh-by-the-ways. Uh, they had the Cardinals down. I think it was 41-6 before giving up two or three scores to the Cardinals late. They were burying the Bucks 21-3. Uh, I think it was a 20, 27-10, something like that. Some, oh, by the way, touchdowns. Tom Brady ends up throwing for 385 on them. Uh, yes, it, it is better than the numbers. And generally speaking, Andy Reid teams are always better in points scored and allowed than they are in yards. That then that's true over on the offensive side, but hasn't really lined up on the defensive side as of yet. Uh, but I think, well, you know, they held the Bucks to three yards rushing. The Bucks only tried six running plays so part of that was the bucks doing but they're definitively better against the run now and they've got a lot of young fast guys that are willing to pop some people they talked about physicality when brett beach took over as the general manager in his first draft he spent a lot of time talking about it that draft didn't go well first year drafts for general managers usually don't because you're usually hiring scouts and doing other things but since then he has really done a nice job of putting a lot of fast aggressive people on defense and Nick Bolton, the middle linebacker is one of the best middle linebackers in football. You're going to start hearing a lot about him. They've got a lot of like 5'11, 190, 200 pound corners that all are willing to stick their nose in there and tackle. Justin Reed brings it, you know, Ty- Tyron Matthew will always have a soft spot in Chiefs fans hearts because he won a championship and was at the heart of the defense that did, but he made a lot of business decisions last year in the final year of his contract. And Justin Reed is coming and, and bringing a thump. Juan Thornhill is a very fast safety who also will come and hit some people. So the physicality of the defense is a lot better. The speed of the defense is a lot better. Um, right now, the defensive line is okay. You know, their strength is the back seven. Uh, Chris, Chris Jones is, a, is an absolute force in playing as well as he's ever played. Carlos Dunlap can give you 20 snaps. As a situational pass rusher, they like George Karlaftis. He's a try-hard guy. That's, his motor never stops, but really doesn't have the full repertoire of moves. So they have to dial up some pressure with the blitz normally. Uh, if they ever don't, if they're getting there with their front four, it's going to be a really long day. Uh, and, and the Raiders are going to need to make sure that they can handle the front four because if they can't and all seven are available uh, in, the, in the back, it, it'll, it'll be a long day for David Carr. Monday Night Football is on the way here. Twin Peaks, Ryan Petros with us. WHB in Kansas City. Chiefs. Hosting our Raiders. Last one, is there any chance that this is a sandwich spot, a look-ahead spot with the Bills on the horizon for the Chiefs? Yeah, and I think that's the reason why the line stays at seven. I, I don't under, you know, I mean, I think in normal times, normal games, if you had the, 
the, I don't, you know, take your pick, the, the Jets looming on the other side, you know, just a team that isn't either a rival or considered to be a, a threat. No offense to your Jets. Big win yesterday, J-E-T-S. Um, but, uh, yes, I, I think that's what holds the line at seven. Or somebody knows something I don't. Uh, I'm on the Chiefs minus the points. Uh, 89 to 23 was the collective score last year in these two games. I know the year before the Raiders uh, were very effective against the Chiefs and splitting it up and, and you know, getting a win at Arrowhead. But uh, I, I don't see the Raiders gelling to the point to where they can, you know, win this football game. Um, I, I think the Chiefs, with, with, with the vivid memories of how they laid an egg against the Colts, play better in this game uh, tonight and, and, and look to get it finished quickly. Um, and, and, and put away the Raiders early. But uh, we'll see. They play the games for a reason. Turnovers can do funny things. There's our buddy Saran Petro from WHB in Kansas City. Come on down to Twin Peaks. Monday Night Football is on the way. Raiders against the Chiefs. Big beers under 4 bucks. Select appetizers, 2 4 and $6.